Welcome to this podcast of sermons at CUNY United Methodist Church. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke, the 12th chapter. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable are you than the birds? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the wildflowers grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which are here today and tomorrow are thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it, for the pagan world runs after all such things, and your Father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. The Gospel of the Lord. So this week... We will celebrate Thanksgiving as the harvest has come in. The food has been canned, frozen, dried, put up for the winter. Some is stored in storehouses and barns. Thanksgiving is an ancient celebration, and I think every culture has it. The Wampanoag already celebrated Thanksgiving when the pilgrims arrived. Some Thanksgiving uh, festivals are at the first harvest, and some are at the end of the harvest, like ours. Now, farmers and gardeners work hard for the harvest. We prepare the soil, and we plant, and we tend, and we harvest, and then we do all that work of putting it up, of drying and storing, um, and canning and freezing, and it is a lot of work. But in the end, after all that work, it is God who actually grows the food. It is God who gives life. We just create a good growing environment, but it is God that provides the life and the growth that the plants need. So with all of our good intentions and hard work, at the end of the day, our food, our life, our well-being is all gift from God. God has provided us, and so we give thanks. In the gospel, Jesus named this truth for us. God provides for us. He starts with, don't worry. Don't worry. It turns out modern 21st century Americans were not the first ones to worry. And actually, probably the folks in ancient Palestine had better reason to worry than we do because they had famines. When a drought hits us, we don't stop eating. When a drought hit them, they didn't eat. The crops didn't grow. 
And it's ironic, I wonder if we actually worry more now when the actual threat is less than then. So Jesus says, don't worry. But there were famines. Well, you know, part of idol worship at that time was uh, sacrificing to convince the gods to send rain. And they would, you know, with enough sacrifice, which often at idol temples involved child sacrifice, with enough pleasing the gods, then the rain would come. And Jesus was telling them, this God, this God of Abraham we follow, this God of Isaac and Jacob, this God is different. God requires no convincing to provide for us. Jesus is naming how God is different. That God sends the rains, ironically, at just the same timetable <laughs> as the folks who did the sacrificing. And then he uses this beautiful imagery of birds and flowers and says, you are precious to God. All of creation is precious to God. The birds are precious, and they don't plant and harvest like men did, and God provides for them. The flowers are precious, but they don't spin thread or weave cloth like women did, and God provides for them. We just don't need to convince God that we are worth saving. Every one of us, God already values. We were created worth saving, valuable. You are so valuable to God. More valuable than the, than the birds, more valuable than the beautiful flowers. And then Jesus pushes past. Life is more than eating and drinking, more than the physical needs of our world. And he said, don't let worry or greed capture your heart. There is something more important. He says life is more than food and the body is more than clothes. And he's been teaching the disciples about this more than all along. And then he goes on to say these words. Would you... Would you read them with me? Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourself that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We wear ourselves out with worry, with worrying about things that are really not the most important, while often missing the really important stuff, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom that has already been given to us by God. We merely need to claim our citizenship, just claim it. And he says, instead of focusing on treasure on earth, focus on treasure in heaven. Move your hearts away from worry and greed to faith and trust in God. Now, when Jesus was, was sharing this, he was talking to people who understood famine. Chances are every one of them, 
if they reached adulthood, had lived through some sort of famine already. And tithing was a normal part of their life. Tithing is that ancient practice at the harvest where 90% is put up for yourself and 10% is given back, is given to the temple, to the church. Tithing isn't as common anymore where giving is now voluntary. And in fact, with the separation of church and state, average giving has gone down. Um, For a long time, tithing was um, enforced. This is a tithing barn uh, from the United Kingdom from the 12th century where tithing was enforced when the harvest came in. This is where it was stored, 10% of a farmer's uh, produce or harvest, and it went to the established church. Each country had their own church. Part of the uniqueness of the American experience is that separation of church and state, which means the state does not gather tithes for the church. And church giving became voluntary, which is really good spiritually, that everything we give comes out of our relationship with God. It's very good spiritually. It's been a little rough financially on the church. I recently listened to a podcast with Arthur Brooks, who's a Harvard professor who teaches on the science of happiness. And he just wrote a book, which I was going to bring and show you, but I forgot, called Building the Life You Want. And he wrote it with Oprah Winfrey, and he goes over those practices um, and the research, the science around happiness, including spiritual practices. And he said, the science is crystal clear. Transcendental beliefs and experiences aid dramatically in our efforts to get happier. Faith makes us happier, and science shows it. He also talked about his own faith journey and his own um, journey around tithing. He grew up, I think, in an evangelical home, and his dad was faithful um, and religious. And once he was talking to his dad about tithing, and he said, Dad, pre-tax or post-tax? And his dad said, before taxes. And he said, Dad, after tax, come on, what's wrong with you? And his dad said, well, you know, just in case. (laughs) They might have a little different theology than we do. (laughs) But then he went on to describe his own journey in tithing. And he said he's come to a more robust understanding of tithing. He said tithing is giving 10% of what you've got that creates value. And that's a lot more than money. It's money. He said, but that includes expertise, time, love, giftedness. Are you giving away 10% of what you've got that creates value? 10% of your love? of your expertise, of your time? I suspect Arthur spent some time with today's scripture in coming to that robust understanding, trusting that God cares for our physical needs, just like the birds and the flowers, and that life is more than eating and drinking, that it's more than consuming. And the 10% is where we start. When Jesus was telling 
people to give alms to the poor. He was telling that to people who had already tithed 10%. So almsgiving was voluntary. So Arthur really got me thinking about my own giving journey. And do I need to grow <laughs> in a robust understanding of tithing? I grew up unchurched, which meant I grew up, no one was tithing in my family. I sure as heck wasn't. Uh, Jesus got a hold of me in my 20s, and I was baptized at 27. And I knew that you give to the church, and I'd heard about this 10% thing, and I thought, well, that's ridiculous. So, you know, we joined the church, and I'm a budget maker, so I added my church giving line at the bottom, and Money was tight. We were young. We had little kids at home. And so we had a budget. And if there was anything there at the end of the month, that's what went to the church. And over the years, as I grew, as I spent time with scripture, and I grew in trust of God, I hit a point where I had to admit to myself that I was coming from a place of donating out of my 100%. And I needed to move to that place of gratitude, of giving percentage of income. And so we made a new budget. And we did a percentage of income. Money was still super tight. We still had young kids. I think we started with 1%. But it happened at the beginning of the month. And I wanted to treat it as if we were farmers, you know, bringing in the harvest. And on payday, 10, 1% went. With the intention of every, you know, as time went, we would grow. And then the next year we went to 2%, and then we went to 3%, and then we went to 3.5%. But the truth is, 10% tithing only happened after a break in our employment life. And I will be honest, it was when I went to seminary. When I went to seminary, you know, we were living off savings for the most part. And our lifestyle, you know, contracted. You know what they say about lifestyle creep? I found it to be very true. As our income grows, our lifestyle grows. Like, if there's money, it gets spent. Well, so money shrunk, lifestyle shrunk. And we were okay. John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist Church, was crazy good at this. He started with a very modest income, and as his income grew, he did not allow lifestyle creep to happen. And he gave that away. A good model. I'm not saying I follow it. Good model. But when employment happened again, it's time to build a new budget. And this time, it started with that 10% off the top. It reminds me of St. Paul in the letter to the Philippians, which we've been studying on Mondays. He said, I've learned the secret of being well-fed and of going hungry, of having plenty and of being in need. And so, so we, as we built that new budget, being mindful of lifestyle creep and allowing, like St. Paul had been taught, to be taught ourselves, about the secret of living with God's abundance. But Arthur, you know, and Jesus pushed me 
about this 10% of what you've got that creates value, that it's not just money, that it's, that it's more. So I started thinking about, am I giving away 10% of what I've got that creates value of my expertise, of the things that I'm good at, of my time, of my attention? Am I giving away 10% of my love and compassion to people who don't deserve it? I think about people in this church who do that, who already are doing that, giving what they have that creates value. I think Melanie, of Melanie, who is so gifted at organizing and details, and that all of the time and the giftedness she gave to leading the food drive, and it is so well organized. I think of Patrick, who grew up as a pastor kid, with the giftedness, with a lifetime of scriptural knowledge and of church participation, giving of his time and giftedness in preparing and sharing sermons with us. I think of Ginny, so gifted at leadership and service and all the ways she cares for this church. I think of folks like Jerry, who has giftedness and expertise around plumbing and installed a new toilet for us. So some of you, as I've been talking, you're thinking, some of you are back at like 10%. Who does that? That's crazy. Some of you are making that shift from giving as a donation, as like an expense, to top of, you know, on the, at the beginning of the month, a percentage of income. Some have already done that, and you're walking you know, up as a percentage of income. Some are tithing at 10% and almsgiving is on top of that. Oh, but are you giving 10% of what you've got that creates value? Every one of us has giftedness, love, expertise, time that is valuable. It is a robust understanding of tithing that begins with awareness, begins with the knowledge that everything we have that creates value was first a gift from God to us, and that gives us gratitude. Coming out of gratitude for abundance, it fills us with, God, with gratitude to God who cares for us, who gives life to the crops and the animals that feed us. It gives us gratitude to God who finds us so valuable, so valuable, more valuable than the birds, more valuable than the flowers. It gives us gratitude to God who goes beyond caring for our earthly needs, giving us the kingdom that science has shown actually makes us happier. God is pleased to give us this kingdom and a place where our treasure never fails. And sometimes God winks at us, confirming our generosity that is part of our spiritual growth. So Susan was going to share a short story with us. Do you still want to share that story? Okay, come on up. Well, this is a little embarrassing, <laughs> but I was going to talk about about giving. Am I close enough? I, 
Hold it like right there. Okay. Is that good? Cassidy can take it from there. And um, I'm a single person on a limited income that's retired. And I figured out how much I wanted to give. I've been with the church about three years. And that stayed about the same for a year. And then I decided I wanted to give a little bit more, so I added another $20 to my monthly giving. And then um, in January of 2023, I was diagnosed with stage four um, cancer with a terminal diagnosis. And I still did my giving, but I had to focus on healing. And now I am healed. Um, I thank God. I thank my family. I thank prayer. I thank all of you um, for that healing because it has been an amazing journey. And, um, but I had one sort of bad thing that I did when I learned I had a terminal diagnosis. I said, oh, heck, I want to smoke. I'm going to die anyways. I might as well just smoke. And smoking made me feel better. So starting about March of this year, I started smoking. And then I got to thinking, you know, if I quit smoking, I could give more to the church. And I figured out how much I was spending a month on cigarettes. And I gave myself a quit date of October 31st. And, and on that November 1st, when I, when I do my giving, I added the money that I would have spent on cigarettes to my monthly giving. Quit smoking. I haven't had a cigarette since October 31st, but I still want one. <laughs> but I'm doing okay, and I, I know I'm going to continue. And, and then I got this thing in the mail that said, CUNA, United Methodist Church, Dear Susan, I'm writing you full of gratitude. If you want to increase your giving, um, and then there's three categories. One way is your weekly giving, and then a certain percentage added to keep our church strong, and one for the growth of our church. And um, my giving increased with quitting smoking <laughs> and adding that cigarette money from weekly giving of the first column all the way to the third column. Uh, for the growth of church and I thought oh my gosh that's already what I planned on doing and now I got a letter that says I'm doing it right <laughs> that's all thanks for listening this podcast is preached almost always by our pastor Reverend Mia Crosswaite CUNA United Methodist Church is a community on a mission to make disciples for the transformation of the world to support this podcast and the missional priorities of this church, go to cunaumc.org and click on Give. Any amount helps. And if you're kind enough to share your contact information with us, we'll continually send you things.